You're listening to This Nazarene Life, stories of young Nazarene clergy and their role models. On today's bonus episode, we'll hear from Pastor Alicia McClintock in her sermon from Young Clergy Con, Oklahoma City. We'd love for you to join us at a Young Clergy Conference. The next one's YCC East, and we're coming to Baltimore, Maryland, September 28th through 30th, 2018. We'd love for you to join us. You can check out the FAQs at youngclergycon.com, or you can grab your tickets over at yccease.eventbrite.com. Thanks for all you do for young pastors, and thanks for tuning in. As I've been praying about you and about this moment and thinking about what God might have me say and have us examine and listen to together as we turn to the word of God this morning, uh, the book of Ruth stuck out in my mind. A friend of mine had mentioned it to me and I thought, I don't want to be the one token woman who talks about the token women's text. Like, I just don't want to do that. But I couldn't get the story of Ruth out of my mind. Um, Those of you who know me know that I have a background in literature and in English, and I think Ruth is one of the most fantastic short stories that's ever been written. It's beautifully designed um, with three main characters, uh, Naomi, who's uh, an Israelite widow who has left her hometown because of a famine. Her hometown of Bethlehem, known as the House of Bread, has failed to live up to its name, and her family is hungry. So they have left their hometown and gone to a neighboring region in search of food, that neighboring region of Moab, which happens to be Israel's ancient enemy. I imagine those were difficult choices. Um, And so as we think about this text that centers around women, Naomi, and her daughter-in-law, Ruth, It might be a familiar story, and it might seem like a story that doesn't have much to speak to us today, but I believe that the word of the Lord has something for us today. And so as we dive into the story, I want us to think about the themes of hospitality, and perhaps in ways that we might not have imagined hospitality to work before. As we dive in, I hope you'll see what I mean. Um, This Israelite family, Naomi and her husband Elimelech and their two sons, leave their hometown because of a famine. They're struggling to find food, and they settle in the neighboring region of Moab. And there, those two sons meet two Moabite women, and they are married. Um, But pretty quickly in their time in this neighboring region of Moab, um, the father of the family and the two sons die, leaving Naomi alone and Ruth and her sister-in-law Orpah alone. Um, But then Naomi receives word that the Lord has had compassion on his people and has given them bread. The famine is over, and she no longer has any reason to stay in the country of Moab. Uh, So they decide to return home, or Naomi decides to return home, um, and urges her daughters-in-law to stay behind. She knows that the life of a foreign and unmarried widow in Israel is going to be very difficult. And so out of mercy and compassion, she invites them, urges them, compels them to stay behind. Orpah tearfully agrees and returns to her mother's household. And we never hear from her again in the story. But Ruth, Ruth refuses to take Naomi's advice. 
clings to her, makes a covenant to her and to her God and to her God's people. Ruth will not let Naomi go, though Naomi probably wanted to go home alone. Um, But Ruth imagines a different life for them and invites Naomi into a life that she hadn't quite imagined even for herself. They return to Israel. uh, they, They find a place to settle. And Ruth as luck would have it, stumbles into a field um, where she can glean some grain, take home um, a few bushels of grain, and begin to grind their own flour, start a new sourdough starter, and bake their own bread, the food again in their hometown. Um, And as she is gleaning grain, the owner of the field takes notice of her, Boaz, who's a rich farmer in the town of Bethlehem. And he notices her and makes special provisions for her. And by doing so, he's obeying some specific commands in God's law to care for the widow, to care for the stranger. So he makes sure that Ruth, the foreign widow, the immigrant, has space in his field He welcomes her there into that space and protects her, allows her to get what she needs, more than enough than she needs. He invites her to his table and ensures that she has food. And as Ruth tells this story to Naomi, Naomi realizes that Boaz is, in fact, a distant cousin and has the opportunity to redeem their family, to buy back their land that had been lost when they left Bethlehem for Moab, and to marry Ruth if he would so choose, and redeem their family and offer them a new future. And so Ruth makes a plan and makes it happen. Uh, Boaz says yes, buys back their land, redeems the family, and the great tragedy that we see at the beginning of the story of death and loss and famine is reversed by the end of the story, and we see new life as Ruth gives birth to a son that gives joy to Naomi in her old age, and, uh, and harvest upon harvest upon harvest. Actually, there's so much harvest in imagery in the book of Ruth that it's read at the Jewish Harvest Festival in its entirety. From the beginning to end, the book of Ruth is read multiple times during the Harvest Festival of Shavuot. I've been thinking about that as well. Um, I'll maybe mention that a little bit later as we get going. Um, but as we, as we gather together to engage the topics of hospitality, I find the story of Ruth to be abundantly rich. In fact, so rich that I've started several sermons only to leave them on the cutting room floor. Preaching to preachers is a little bit intimidating, but it helps me in that I don't have to worry about explaining the concept of chesed or God's covenant faithfulness. I don't have to spend time there. Uh, You know what that means. You know how to figure it out. I can talk about some other things. Um, But as I focused on some of the, the images and the characters in this beautifully designed short story, I thought that this is a story about sojourners and immigrants, a story of communities that welcomed them. The community of Moab, Israel's ancient enemy, extends hospitality to Hebrew migrants seeking refuge from famine. This is a story of just one family, but I wonder how many others chose to take the same journey, leaving the house of bread to seek their livelihood elsewhere. The community of Bethlehem's hospitality in welcoming Naomi back strikes me. It's a little bit rare, I think, to come home to a place that is different when you are a different person and to be welcomed home again. 
But Bethlehem does it, and it's, and it's a hospitable and homey place to Naomi, here the little town of Bethlehem. We could pause here and I could tell you stories of what it's been like for me to be welcomed into communities as a stranger and even as an immigrant, someone who's moved to a new place. I can tell you stories of what it's meant for me to find homes and to leave homes. I could tell you stories of how my community is doing that, my congregation is doing that, um, finding a home in God and in our neighborhood. But I felt the Spirit say, perhaps another time. This is also a story of Naomi's hospitality to Ruth and Orpah, welcoming two foreign women into her family, tenderly caring for them as if they were her own. And we could pause here and I could tell you stories of times when I've been welcomed into families. Um, as a single woman, sometimes it's hard being, uh, being alone, but I have had a rich community of people who have welcomed me into their homes and into their families. And I could tell you stories and stories and stories about that. I could tell you stories of the way my community, my congregation, is doing that and finding ways to welcome the stranger into our midst. Um, they don't have much, my, my church, my people, but everything they have, they're willing to share, making sure that there is bread enough to break at our tables. I could tell you stories about that, but I felt the Spirit say, perhaps another time. I think also this is a story about Boaz's commitment to Torah-mandated hospitality, God's welcome a gospel kind of hospitality, leaving plenty of room in his fields for the poor to glean during the barley harvest, leaving plenty of room at his table for everyone to break bread together, marrying a foreign widow and buying back her family's land so they might once again find themselves at home and able to plant their own fields, harvest their own grain, and bake their own bread at their own tables. We could pause here and I could tell you stories of the way my love for God and my commitment to God's welcome, my experience of God's welcome has shaped the way that I welcome others and the way that I experience welcome from the community of God's people. I could tell you stories of the way I see my congregation extending God's welcome to strangers, to each other, and especially to me as a new pastor. They are loving me into the truth week after week, day after day, and I am incredibly grateful. But I felt the Spirit say, perhaps another time. As I've been praying for you all and thinking about this particular preaching moment, I began to notice a very different kind of hospitality at work in this text that we might miss if we focused on some of those beautiful and wonderful stories. But I think that might be the word of the Lord for us today. Um, if you turn with me in your Bibles to Ruth chapter 1, I hope you'll, you'll begin to see what I mean. I'll read the entirety of Ruth chapter 1, and it is uh, the custom in my community that we stand for the reading of the word. So if you are able and willing, I invite you to stand. I will read the passage, and at the end, I will uh, say this is the word of the Lord, and I invite you to joyfully respond, saying thanks be to God. The word of the Lord from Ruth chapter 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man from Bethlehem and Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malan and Kilian. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. 
Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about 10 years, both Malin and Kilian also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When she heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing bread for them, Naomi and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she felt the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you as you have shown to your dead and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them, and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has gone against me. At this, they wept again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them, and the women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth, the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem just as the barley harvest was beginning. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Okay, I'm sure many of you have heard that scripture in, in another context. I don't know about you, but I feel like I often hear it at weddings, um, you know, read by that silver medal friend who didn't like quite make it into the wedding party, but you're like just articulate enough and spiritual enough to read something in the ceremony. Like not knocking it, I've been that silver medal friend who've literally read this passage at a wedding. But I think... I think what's difficult about that, I, and it's, it's not a bad passage to read at a wedding, at least it's not 1 Corinthians 13, but also not knocking that. I'm uh, sorry, forgive me. Um, it's, it's, not, it's not a bad association. It's a text about covenant faithfulness, about loyalty, um, about a deep-rooted love for a person and the God and the people who you could share and that seems appropriate at a wedding, but I also think that if we get carried away by the romance and the poetry of the language, because it is romantic and poetic, if we get carried away by that, we miss what's happening in the moment. I think rather than, um, than sort of wedding vow language, it's more like um, 
an uninvited declaration of love. Naomi doesn't want Ruth to come with her. In fact, Naomi is saying, go home. Get out. Naomi is saying, go home. Get, <laughs> get back to your normal life. Like, don't, don't end up stuck with me. You don't want that. You don't want to be with me. You don't want to be here. My life is bitter. It is empty. There is no hope. And I don't want that for you. So cut your ties with me. Go home. Make a new life. But Ruth refuses to listen. You see, I think too many of our surface readings of hospitality of this story cast Ruth as, as the guest, the receiver of hospitality. She's the one who, uh, who receives welcome from Naomi. Ruth is the one who receives the grain from Boaz's field that she gleans. She is the one who receives the redemption of that family redeemer. Um, we think of Ruth as the foreigner, the widow, the one who receives in the story. But the more I spent time with this text, the more I found myself at home in the story, um, the more I realized I think Ruth is the host. I think Ruth is the one who's offering an invitation here. I think Ruth is the one who is inviting Naomi into another way. Sometimes the most significant work of hospitality is inviting yourself on the journey, inviting yourself to the table, offering an invitation to another way, a way that isn't even imagined yet, and offering that invitation even when it isn't wanted, especially then, I think. I think that's one of the most significant works of hospitality. So this isn't the sweet wedding ceremony passage that we often think it is. Um, and it's not even received that well. I don't know if you picked it up in, in the scriptures we read, but Ruth offers this beautiful poetic declaration of covenant faithfulness to Naomi and to Naomi's God and to Naomi's people. And Naomi doesn't say anything back. She's in silence. And I think that's probably an awkward trip back to Bethlehem. It's probably a really quiet one. Both women alone with their own thoughts and in their own world. Um, and I'm impressed by Ruth's boldness, her loyalty, her courage, her love, her strength, um, and her hospitality. It takes a lot of care and compassion to hold that space of silence for someone who is hurting and for someone who is broken. And I imagine Ruth holding that space in silence, walking together on the journey um, with Naomi back to Bethlehem. Ruth is also offering Naomi a picture of a new way of life, a new way of living. Naomi had only imagined herself alone as a widow, poor and empty and lonely going back to the place that she had left in failure. And Ruth, as she commits to stay with Naomi, refuses to turn away, says there could be another story. There could be another way. Returning to Bethlehem doesn't have to be going back in failure. You don't have to return empty. You don't have to return poor and lonely. You could return rich in companionship. We could go home as a new family, a different kind of family. 
we could be something different and walk in a different way. And I think at first Naomi doesn't know how to take it. I don't, I don't think Naomi understands or sees the vision. Um, and that resonates with me. I, I, I'll speak a little bit more about that in a minute. But I think there are other ways that Ruth is a host in this story. She invites herself on the journey that Naomi takes um, and invites her into a new kind of life. But then um, Ruth makes a plan to support her and Naomi. She's the one who invites herself into the field to begin gleaning in the barley harvest. Um, She just shows up and finds a way to invite herself in. Um, Welcome breeds welcome because Boaz notices her and continues to welcome her in and she continues to show up. Um, But I think one of the other significant moments in the story where Ruth acts as a host where she invites somebody else into a different way, a way that they hadn't even imagined, is when she proposes to Boaz and suggests that he redeem the family's land, buy back their property um, that has been in limbo, um, and marry her. Anyone who wanted to to act this part for um, a grieving widow would have had to purchase the property, pay any back taxes, and repay the debt of the previous family. That's not... That's not a small obligation. Um, And I I wonder if Boaz would have imagined it for himself had Ruth not suggested and invited him to imagine what that could look like together. I don't know. I, I think Ruth is doing something significant here as she offers an invitation to a difficult way. And this this strikes me as a as a pastor among other pastors. Um, Here at Young ClergyCon, I think that we understand this well. I think we know what it's like to offer an invitation um, into a difficult way, into a new way, and have it not be received. I think that we can find ourselves as Ruth in the story, urged to turn around, to go back, to find someplace else to belong. And I look at you, I look at these faces in this room, I look in the mirror at myself, and I know that we are the roots. We are the ones who have said, where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. At least that's, that's true of me. Um, I grew up going to a church of the Nazarene, but didn't really know what it meant to be Nazarene until I went to Point Loma in San Diego. Um, I learned about the rich Wesleyan tradition. I learned about a history of global compassion. I learned about a global Nazarene family that's deeply connected. Um, I learned about the ordination of women since before women had the right to vote. And I was so thankful that this was the place to whom I already belonged. I found my way into a small church in southeast San Diego called Southeast Church of the Nazarene. Um, A small community but rich in love and hospitality. We broke bread every week. We shared the sacrament of communion and the sacrament of the potluck together. And and in, in, that, in that place, I heard God's welcome 
to me and to my heart. I heard God's welcome of the poor. I heard God's welcome of the marginalized. And I felt God pulling me away from the center and out toward the outside. And I thought, if this is what it means to be Nazarene, then I am about it. And then um, I graduated from college and moved away to graduate school and felt unmoored and unanchored. Uh, it took me a while to find my way back to the Church of the Nazarene. Um, and in, in that meantime, I had discerned a call to vocational ministry and kept trying to offer that gift that God had given me back to the church. And it seemed like nobody wanted it. Um, it, it was a difficult place for me in ministry. I was at a community where I had concretely heard the call of God in my life, and I wanted that place to be my home, and they didn't want me, at least not as a pastor. Um, they wanted me in, uh, in Sunday school and doing admin work and doing all kinds of other things, um, but they didn't want me as a pastor, and I knew that that's who God had called me to be. And um, in that moment, I remembered my home and my family in the Church of the Nazarene, um, and I found my way back. And they, like the community of Bethlehem, offered me bread. They invited me back um, and have loved me into the truth. Uh, and he, and here, here I stand, preaching to you this morning. Um, I, I mentioned Shavuot, the Jewish festival of harvest, earlier this morning. Um, and it's, it's a, a festival of harvest celebrating the gifts that God has brought forth. Um, and this, to me, young clergy con feels like Shavuot. Um, it is a harvest festival in my life. Last year I was here and I had just barely kind of got my feet back under me, found my way back to the Church of the Nazarene, and I was working as an associate pastor. But I wasn't even sure I belonged to the category of clergy. Like, I'm only an associate. Am I a real pastor? Am I really clergy? I just, I, I was still unsure about my identity and who God had called me to be and, and what that was going to look like. I just conceived of myself as somebody who worked at a church and studied theology. We were, we were working it out. Um, but it, it was a time in which, among God's people, I received the bread of God. Welcome, God's welcome, a gospel hospitality, connected to my Nazarene roots and my Nazarene family, my tribe. Um, and so here I stand holding the work of God in my life, literally in my hands as my name tag says, Alicia McClintock, pastor here in this place among this people, and I am incredibly grateful. So I've brought my own Shavuot offerings this morning in celebration of that harvest, that harvest of God in my life, that even in a space of difficulty where the invitation to another way might be difficult, might be rejected. I remember that sometimes the most significant work of hospitality is inviting yourself to the table, elbowing your way through, showing up, even when that invitation to another way of seeing, another way of being, another way of doing might not be wanted. 
And I feel that energy here among my fellow young clergy, that we are imagining another way, a way of God's covenant faithfulness, a way connected to who our church was from the beginning, connected to the poor, serving alongside those in need, breaking bread with everyone, because Jesus broke bread with everyone. I see us moving in that space and longing to offer that invitation to our denomination as a whole. And I have also, also, too often, heard too many stories of that invitation being offered and being rejected, or being offered to people who were not ready to receive it, or perhaps just couldn't imagine what that way could look like. And yet, and yet, here we are, a hopeful group, a hope-filled group, continuing to offer that kind of difficult hospitality, an invitation to another way, an invitation to the way of Jesus. And I'm incredibly grateful. The next, the next offer of hospitality is a little bit deeper um, as we continue to offer the invitation to a new way, to to our communities, to our greater denomination, um, I think one of the most difficult offers of hospitality is indeed to ourselves. I was with um, a group of, of colleagues and mentors earlier this week, um, and we spent some time in the company of Mary, the mother of Jesus. And I think one of the most miraculous things about the angel's announcement to Mary um, when she is told that she is going to bear a son, I think one of the most miraculous things about that announcement is that she believes what the angel says about her, that she is favored, that she has found favor with God. Um, and I, I offer that invitation to us this morning, that if you have been in the place of offering an invitation that was not wanted, offering yourself and being rejected, I want you to hear the word of the Lord to you this morning, that you have found favor with God, that you are a dearly beloved child, that God has called you and blessed you with gifts and graces. <laughs> amen. That's a good place for an amen. Be filled with hope. Come join us in this moment. Break bread together. Let us be your companions on the journey. Did you know the root for companion means with bread, con pane, the bread breakers? Um, Shavuot is a harvest festival. Uh, it's traditional to bring a grain offering, um, typically two loaves of bread. So I've baked two loaves of bread. It's my Shavuot offering here at this altar. It just seemed the most appropriate way to spend our time together, to break bread, to remember and proclaim the mysteries of our faith. Filled with hope, we come to this table proclaiming the mystery of our faith. Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ is coming again. We come to this table remembering that on the night our Lord was betrayed and given over to suffering, the night he was rejected, the night his invitation to a different way was rejected. Our Lord took bread and said a blessing. 
He broke the bread and gave it to his friends, his companions, and said, take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after supper, he took the cup of wine. He gave thanks and said, drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do so and remember me. We come to this table, those who have much faith and those who would like to have more. Those who have been here often and those who have not been for a long time. Those who have tried to follow Jesus and those who have failed. Come. It is Christ who invites you. It is Christ who meets you. It is Christ who walks with you.